Welcome back, true crime fans. It's TJ, the weirdo with a beardo from Wings93, with another episode of True Crime Tuesday, as we explore true crimes, unsolved mysteries, and strange stories from across history and across the globe. This week, we take a trip across time and across the globe in True Crime Tuesday number 97, as we explore the story of the unidentified serial killer, Jack the Ripper. Our story begins in mid-19th century England, where a large number of Irish immigrants began swarming to these major cities, including London, particularly the city's East End, where many Irish, Russian, and other Eastern Europeans began to settle, causing overcrowding in an already impoverished section of the city. The Whitechapel area of London's East End grew to nearly 80,000 residents by 1888, but the living conditions were quite poor. Sickness was widespread. It's estimated that nearly 55% of the children born in the East End didn't live to see their fifth birthday. Violence, robberies, and extreme alcoholism were rampant in Whitechapel, as was the existence of prostitution. By October 1888, London's Metro Police estimated that nearly 62 brothels were in operation in Whitechapel alone, employing nearly 1,200 women working as prostitutes. These women were often the subject of the violence that was growing in that section of town, already riddled with social and civil unrest. Between April 3, 1888 and February 13, 1891, 11 murders in the Whitechapel area of London's East End, which police believed to be connected, earning them the nickname the Whitechapel Murders, and at least five of them believed to be the work of the same person. Marianne Nichols, Annie Chapman, Elizabeth Stride, Catherine Eddowes, and Mary Jane Kelly are believed to be the original five victims of this unidentified killer. In those five ghastly instances, examiners found these women's faces mutilated, deep gashes along the throat and chest, stab wounds to the abdomen, and in several cases, there is evidence of sexual assault and even the removal of the victim's internal organs. Now, the savage nature and similar details of these killings led authorities to believe that the victims were killed by the same person, whom they nicknamed the Ripper, after the barbaric nature of the killings. Although many of the London Police Department's documents were destroyed in a German bombing run during World War II, some files still remain. From those files, we learn that a team of officers blanketed the Whitechapel section of London's East End, going door to door, trying to find possible leads. Detectives from Scotland Yard were brought in to assist in the investigation. They began by calling and visiting local butchers, slaughterhouses, surgeons, and doctors because of the intense level of mutilation involved in the killings. Even Queen Victoria believed the killings to be the work of a butcher or a cattle driver from one of the merchant ships traveling between the UK and mainland Europe, since Whitechapel was located near the London docks. But no boats were docked during the time of any of the killings, ruling out any of the boat workers. And one by one, alibis of the butchers and slaughterhouse workers were investigated, but everyone would eventually be eliminated as potential suspects. In total, over 2,000 people were interviewed, nearly 300 of them under formal investigation, and 80 were detained by police. But no arrests were made and no one was ever formally charged. The lack of suspects outraged members of the public sparking a group of volunteers to create the Whitechapel Vigilance Committee, a neighborhood watch of sorts, 
who patrolled the streets of Whitechapel looking for suspicious characters, believing the local police had failed to catch the murderer and taking matters into their own hands. Meanwhile, news of the killings had spread, and with it came an onslaught of letters to the police and local newspapers, including several hundred from people claiming to be the killer. In those hundreds of letters, several caught the attention of the London police, one in particular claiming to be the Dear Boss Killer, dated September 25, 1888, where the author claimed that they would, quote, cut off the lady's ear, which may have been a reference to Catherine Eddowes, whose ear was cut during her murder. The author of the Dear Boss letter signed the note as Jack the Ripper, which would become the most infamous nickname for this unknown killer when it was published in 1888. Another letter from someone else referring to themselves as Saucy Jackie, which arrived October 1st, 1888, referred to what they called a double event, where two victims were murdered, which may have been a reference to Elizabeth Stride and Catherine Eddowes, whose bodies were found the same day in a similar part of town. A third letter was received by George Lusk, the leader of the Whitechapel Vigilance Committee, along with a small box containing part of a human kidney, preserved in alcohol presumably belonging to Catherine Eddowes, whose kidneys had been removed. But the DNA evidence at the time was difficult to match. Several of these letters were published in London newspapers hoping someone would recognize the handwriting and come forward with possible leads. But some claimed it was just a hoax aimed at selling more newspapers. In the years that followed, several journalists were identified as possible writers of these letters, including Tom Bullen in 1913, and Fred Best, who, in 1931, allegedly confessed to writing the Jack the Ripper letters to spike the interest in the case and, quote, keep their newspaper business alive. Regardless, no number of newspaper articles would help find the true identity of the killer, nicknamed Jack the Ripper. And London police were keeping details of this person close to the vest and not sharing much of it with the public. The one thing the newspaper articles did serve to do was create a worldwide media frenzy based on this serial killer, the first of its kind. Before the Ripper killings, giving unknown killers a nickname was unheard of, but it would soon become commonplace with names like the Axeman of New Orleans, the Boston Strangler, and the Beltway Sniper. On a positive note, however, the White Castle murders and the Jack the Ripper story is that it helped to bring attention to the poverty and the poor living conditions in London's East End, in the next several decades that followed the murders, conditions improved. Many of the old slums were torn down, but some of the original buildings, including the Ten Bells Public House on Commercial Street, still stand today. And although the legend of Jack the Ripper has been handed down for over a hundred years in books, stories, poems, games, songs, operas, and movies, the person who served as the grim inspiration has never been caught. No one has ever been formally charged in the deaths of at least five poor prostitutes from London's East End. Over 135 years later, and no justice has ever been served to those responsible. And that is this week's True Crime Tuesday story, episode number 97, The Unsolved Mystery of Jack the Ripper. Join me each week for more stories of true crimes and unsolved mysteries. We'll see you next time.